Welcome to Ministry Pivot. Uh, Reverend Russ back again with another episode. Uh, I am just excited about uh, this platform, excited about this opportunity uh, that we have to share and hopefully help uh, leaders and churches and ministries pivot. Uh, thankful for all of you who've been watching, who've been listening, uh, praying that you are uh, being helped. Uh, today, I have uh, some more guests, some more friends, colleagues, uh, co-laborers in ministry, uh, and we're going to talk about the uh, pivot uh, of budget. Uh, which is something that I know uh, many churches and leaders uh, have been dealing with, grappling with since uh, March, even before that, but in this season, uh, and what does that look like? And so uh, I have uh, first uh, uh, Pastor uh, Darrell Williams, who's Reverend Dr. Uh, Darrell Williams, and he is uh, the senior pastor of St. Paul and Oxton Hill, Maryland. Uh, he is uh, a great thought leader, a great uh, uh, just man of God and pastor, but also uh, has a uh, a keen understanding of what uh, finances look like uh, even before this season and definitely in this season. So we'll hear uh, from him. Uh, then I have uh, uh, also another friend and brother, uh, Reverend Loxley O'Connor, who is uh, our CFO, our, because at Kingdom Fellowship, uh, where I serve, thank God, shout out my pastor, uh, Dr. Matthew Watley. Uh, he is our CFO, Reverend Lox helps us uh, and helps lead us in several areas, but he has a ton of experience as well uh, when it comes to uh, finances and what that looks like. And so he will share uh, some of those on today. And then also, uh, not last but not least, I have uh, my brother, uh, Brother Wally. I told him before we spoke that I wasn't going to try to say his last name, uh, but Wally is uh, one of the, actually the founder of Givelify. Uh, and uh, you know Givelify as a awesome giving resource, awesome, awesome tool uh, that helps churches around the world uh, to give. And so he's going to share uh, what this pivot looks like uh, on their side. I'm going to ask uh, that all of uh, them, uh, you all just, uh, uh, we thank God that you're here. Appreciate you all taking the time uh, for uh, our listeners and those who are listening or those who are watching. You all know that it's going to be delivered uh, on our uh, podcast on YouTube, as well as uh, iTunes and the other ways that uh, people can uh, hear or listen to it. But I want, if you can, take a couple minutes. Uh, and I gave a very brief uh, understanding of who you are, but if you take a couple minutes uh, and just share uh, a little bit more about your background uh, as it pertains to church uh, and even a little bit as it pertains to uh, finances. Uh, let's start with uh, Reverend O'Connor. Uh, greetings, everyone. I'm uh, Reverend Locke. Uh, spent the last 25 years, it seems, uh, dealing directly with church finances, both as a uh, CFO and uh, head of different finance committees and expansion, uh, working with expansion committees at uh, uh, large churches and, you know, uh, and definitely here at Kingdom where, where I currently serve. I also serve um, uh, in an economic development role within our uh, district of the AME Church, um, as well as formerly served as uh, an auditor and financial advisor to Congress of National Black Churches uh, back in the day um, that encompassed all of the, the major uh, black uh, church organizations in the country. I'm a CPA by background um, and, you know, gladly will share everything I, 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 I can contribute to this conversation. 
All right, all right, appreciate it. Uh, Wally, can we can get, say your last name, please? And Definitely. a little bit more uh, about uh, just kind of your background. Sure, so Wally Mafalasere, it's uh, Nigerian, you could figure. A little bit about my background, I was, the, I was that guy who uh, Reverend Locks and uh, Dr. Darrow probably did not like seeing in their church because I was the guy who would come there, enjoy the sermon, and would never show up on your donor list. Um, not because. <laughs> <laughs> and far too many times I'd sit in the pews and it's time for offering and I'd reach for my wallet and I'd have $3 or sometimes nothing in there. And I'll promise myself that next Sunday uh, on my way to church, I remember to stop at the ATM <laughs> or, you know, when I get back to my computer at home, I'd actually set up my online giving so I never find myself in this situation. And Sunday after Sunday, I find myself docking out before service is over. So I'm not making eye contact with the CFO and my pastor as I did get. Wow. Um, and after this just keeps going on for a while, I'm like, look, this I'm sitting in church and I, you know, my pastor says, go to your Bible. Like I launched my Bible app and it's time to give. And I'm doing my same ceremony of reaching for the wallet, knowing damn well, there's nothing in there. Excuse my French here. Uh, but, um, <clears throat> but it clicked at that moment in time. Like if the smartphone is good enough to be my Bible, there are these moments where and I just want to give and I can't trust myself to remember to go by the ATM. Writing a check is not even an option for me. I don't have any checkbook. And I keep promising myself, I'll get when I get home, I get on the computer and set things up. It never happens. Um, is there an app I could just go to in these moments? After all, I see these commercials that say there's an app for everything. Is there an app I could go to in those moments and just get it out the way? Because I know once I don't do it in the moment, it might never happen. Um, at that point in time, there weren't any apps there. This was uh, 2013, right around. Um, and so, you know what, maybe I just build this app so at least the relationship between me, God, my pastor, and our CFO would be better. Uh, little did I know that I was solving that problem for almost 45,000 churches that use GiveLify today uh, that wow. we've helped them raise. Uh, uh, this year alone, we'll probably raise, help them raise over a billion dollars in people like Wally who were not given before. Yep. Oh, praise God. That's awesome. Praise That's awesome. Dr. Darrow. Um, Dr. Darrell Williams, the senior pastor of the St. Paul Church in Oxon Hill. Uh, it's a pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me, Rev. Russ. Um, Paul, I am a man of two things. Paul, while he was an apostle and a pastor, was also a tent maker. Uh, so I started out in investment banking. I've always spent my life in both the church and financial arenas. So I, my first job in the church while I was running from my call to pastor was as director of finance. And after that, I became, um, went to seminary, uh, pastored for a little while, and then I became the executive director of the Baltimore Washington Conference of the United Methodist Church's foundation. It was a foundation with about $3 million in assets under management that I, would man that I managed for the conference and for churches. And gave um, stewardship training and church finance training to local churches. So I spent my life working with churches and individuals around personal and institutional finance and pastoring. I'm the proud pastor of St. Paul at Oxon Hill, but I also do financial consulting and financial training. And it's just a pleasure to be here. One of the things that churches have to figure out how to deal with and have always needed to figure out how to deal with is faith and money, both from an institutional standpoint and from a personal finance standpoint. 
That's great. That's great. That's great. Pastor Darrell, I, I had you introduce yourself last because I wanted you to go first in this question. Um, and uh, the question you kind of hit it already with talking about the difference between faith and money. And you, 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 you alluded to the fact that churches have always had to do this. Um, but I, I want to ask you the, the and I sent you all questions, but what are two or three budgetary practices that churches before COVID should have already instituted? And then what are some practices that since COVID they need to institute? Because your, your understanding of having both faith and finances together means that you have to have a mindset of that as a church. Um, it's kind of what, I, what I'm hearing you say. So I'm gonna say my question again. Uh, what what are two to two or three budgetary practices that churches should have had practice should have had a part of their practice? And then what are two or three before COVID? And what are two or three now um, since COVID? And I'm gonna give it to Pastor Dow first, and then of course I want to hear everybody's thought on that as well. Okay. Uh, I'm gonna take it. I know you went through all that to ask the question, but I'm gonna take it from a slightly different perspective. We Sounds good. Understand originally what a budget is. A budget is three things. Uh, a budget is a statement of mission, a statement of values, and a statement of intent. Oftentimes we think of budgets just as the numbers, just what are we going to do with this money? But it's what is your mission, what are your values, and what are you intending to do? When That's those great. three things come together, the budget is really a statement of purpose for the money that a church has. And before COVID or after COVID, churches really have to look at what are we trying to do? What do we really care about? And how are we trying to do it? Now that transcends pandemics, that transcends everything. Because all too often churches have said, okay, we're gonna do our budget this way. What did we spend last year? Can we do that again? Or do we have to raise it or lower it? And that's not that, that's a financial document, but in a church, that's not a budget. A budget has to encapsulate and encompass the why the church exists, the mission that the church is being called to, and the mission field that the church is being called to. So if there are three things that I would tell you about any budget. Now, this is before COVID. This is after COVID. This is in the midst of all of this. You have to understand what is our mission? What are we ultimately trying to do? Churches are trying to make disciples. We're trying to reach the world for Christ. What are our values? Do you value youth? Do you value seniors? Do you value community outreach? If you value those things, you should be budgeting for those things. Because all too often, we do our budgets based on operations and then whatever's left. So when we figure out what we're trying to do and what our values are, we've got our mission then we've got our values, and now we need to intent. What are we intending to do? How does this money move from pew to plate to mission field? So those three things are really the essence of having a budget, whether it's before COVID or after COVID. It has to be more than just numbers on a paper. It has to be hearts, minds, and mission all combined into this one thing. That's great. That's great. I, um, I, I think those those three. So we're also if you're listening or watching, you know, uh, maybe you don't know, maybe it's first time listening and watching, but we always have show notes. So everything Pastor Darrell said, uh, I'm going to uh, pull down and put in the show notes in, in, in pieces because I want you to watch the whole thing. Um, and also, I don't want to save it because it sounds like it's a part of a book he's working on. Uh, shot, shot. <laughs> um, but I, I want to to throw it out to everybody else, uh, Reverend Locks and then uh, Wally as well. Um, what does that, what are some things in that budget 
what what does that look like now for churches, right? What 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 did it look like before? So I appreciate Pastor Darren. I think all of that is totally correct. But what what are some other pieces? What to add on to what he talked about as far as if if I'm a church leader now, if I'm uh, I serve on on a steward board, the trustee board, I serve on account team. I'm the senior pastor, and I'm trying to think through my budget in a different way. Let, let's just deal with post COVID. What are some things that I should be looking at? Well, well, I think uh, so. First of all, what 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 Daryl said was so so on point. Um, and so now, what churches have to do is to look at the alignment that that in, in their spending priorities between the vision, just the whole mission, as he stated, uh, and 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 what you what you, what you now have decided in this post-COVID environment. Um, what are what are our priorities? What are the things that we, in terms of using um, again, is word value? Yeah. Right. Um, what what are those things, and what are we spending on? So whether what you, you may pivot because certain things you're no longer doing, you're not in a position to do, you're not gathering together as you as you did in the past. You're not, you know, those kinds of activities have been shut down. But you, but you're still committed to ministering to people, to meeting uh, needs, getting the gospel message out, and in in and and delivery of those. That's what's going to take to make those happen uh, have to be high priorities and considered because there are shifts yeah. that you will need to make in terms of uh, in terms of that, and and that's what any church, no matter its size. Uh, because oftentimes when we talk about these things, it's very easy for 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 uh, for uh, some churches to say, "Well, you're dealing with much larger things than us." No, all of us are called to deliver the gospel. That's yeah. our, that's that's why we exist. At the end of the day, yeah. right? It's, we go into the world. So how are we going to do that in this environment? And once you once as once the pastor has, has come together with their team and laid that out, the, 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 your expenditures, your priorities shift accordingly to ensure that that's what's prioritized. Uh, you, you see what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh, and in that process, um, no, no matter where you are in the organization, uh, you should yourselves align to that. So like, you know, as in a kingdom example, we shifted in terms of our commitment to feeding people, to making sure in this post-COVID environment, we were going to, you uh, know, in this COVID and post-COVID, we're going to make sure that people in need, um, you know, uh, were, were felt needs were being met. And so we moved um, uh, funds from ministries that, that, that could not and were not engaged to start uh, to, to make sure that we uh, provided additional resources to our outreach and, and, and you know, feeding people. Uh, and as we committed resources to that, now in five months, we can look at what we initially had in our budget for that program. We have spent triple that amount in five months. Wow. Right? Um, and so, so it's how you have then, as I said, you have aligned your priorities, your spending priorities to match, uh, the mission, the vision, uh, you know, in terms of what you value that, that, that's, that's it right there. I agree. 
Yeah. Let me let me let me let me ask this question. Uh, let me make this statement because Reverend Locks and Pastor Darrell said a lot. But one of the things that you just said, Reverend Locks, was uh, for us at Kingdom, and we did. Uh, Pastor uh, Watley, again, shout out. We appreciate uh, all the leadership that he's he's provided, and and one of the things he challenged, and I, I heard you and him having a conversation around, was how do we uh, pivot the resources? Um, and and I, I want to point that out because I know I've heard uh, from pastors and leaders who will say what, what you just said. Oh, we're not the kingdom. We can't do. The, but but I, I believe that they're also not looking at their budget again. Right. They're not looking at what they thought they were going to do. And now they can't do what you thought you were going to do. It leaves you room now to do other things. And so then. Fun. Once you partner uh, with other organizations, then you even increase that. So I, I, I'm, I'm highlighting it's, it's Reverend Locksley's point. It's not Reverend Russell's point. I want to make sure, but I'm, I'm highlighting it because I, sometimes I think leaders always, sometimes leaders look at other churches and say, well, that's what they can do because of where they are. But the truth right. is, and we all know this, that God can work in anybody's vineyard, right? At the end of the day, we're serving the same God. Um, so I wanted I wanted to point that point that out. Wally, I got a question for you. Um, I I, I want to know, and I don't know if you can tell me the exact number or not. Uh, but you're serving forty five thousand churches over that. Harry and I talk all the time. Uh, Harry serves with uh, uh, Wally. Shout out to Harry. Uh, but but and, and the whole team. But um, how many churches? In my note for you, I have not ready. And and what that means is there were churches who were not ready come the second week of March. Um, they weren't ready with, the, I know churches who their only means of people giving was coming on Sunday, filling out an envelope or putting it inside the mail. And uh, 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 can, can you talk a little bit just to how many churches you saw uh, add GiveLify on as a, as a, as a, as, as a giving platform? Um, I'll just pause there and ask that yeah. question. <laughs> no, great question. So very interesting. There's a recent study by the Lake Institute of Faith and Giving out of uh, Indiana University, which uh, if you look at all the experts, they'll say that's the premier university that actually studies philanthropy and especially mm -hmm. in the faith space. Mm -hmm. uh, they put out the best reports in the world, the USA, the USA Giving Report that the entire industry revolves around, they're very pivotal to what happens in that report. So there's a recent study that was just released. Uh, we, we get to partner with them on different projects. Uh, so we're trying to understand, you know, what value do we bring to the faith communities that we serve? Mm -hmm. um, and as of last week, there's a new report that came out that's just kind of study what's going on pre-COVID um, and what's been, ha what's been going on since during the pandemic. And no surprise, right, 78% of all churches were seeing their income on Sundays, 78%. Um, and I know this for a fact that at GiveLify, even pre the pandemic, uh, we more than half of the donations that we were processing was happening on days other than Sundays. Mm. Uh, so this was okay. even pre-COVID. Yeah. And so far as we had always looked at it for, and I, I again, I, I use myself as that example of that person who came to church, but for whatever reason wasn't given. And what we were seeing at GiveLify was that um, that giving was happening from Monday through f Friday over half of what we're processing. Now, COVID happens, all of a sudden you go from 78% of churches waiting for all their giving to happen on Sunday to 100% of churches need to figure out now that Sunday is not the Sunday like we know it, what are we going to do? 
And so for us, I think uh, just being ready to be able to assist those churches to have some way of still able to connect with their members from a given perspective was the task before us. And we had to do everything we can to make sure we were there for these organizations to be able to get them up and running and be able to tap into the generosity of their members. But one of the big lessons that we learned since then was the shift which we've been, we've been monitoring at Givelify for quite some time right now. Um, <clears throat> prior to COVID, we noticed that the amount of people who were given to multiple churches, which is, I have my primary church, Mm -hmm. Right. But I have like a Dr. Watley, who I might call my fantasy pastor. <laughs> right. Um, okay. Or or right, or uh, Pastor Daryl, who might be a fantasy pastor for me also, in addition to my primary church, that all of a sudden that that whole journey of I get, I, you know, I wake up on Sunday, I get dressed, I get in the car, I drive to one church changes to I get up. I may or may not shower. I just get on my computer and I start consuming all these various faith experiences right. that I've always fantasized about. It became much more accessible. And what yeah. we started seeing translate into that is that churches were picking up donors that they didn't have before. Right. And so right. when we started studying that pattern, what we quickly realized was that at the height of the pandemic, the churches that were prepared for that digital transformation actually saw an increase in their giving, right? About 30% of them. Another 20% said it stayed steady. It's like kind of stayed steady. But overall, the vast majority of them find themselves in a very good place. But one of the other things that we started noticing back to Reverend Locks the, and, and uh, Reverend Darrow, so Pastor Darrow, what you said about, uh, talked about the vision and the mission is and a lot of people say, well, young people are not coming to the church, they're going away. And we just started noticing during the, at the height of the pandemic that there was a newfound appreciation for faith. That with everything that was going on, whether you were receiving news about being laid off from your work, or you were receiving news about a family member caught up in the COVID situation, that the faith communities and the leaders were stepping in. And all of a sudden, they were playing the role of what we call our Givelify faith responders. So we have our first responders, which is our medical professionals. But we now have this category of people called faith responders. They're typically the people you call when you got that letter that you've been laid off. They're the people you call when you're on the way to the hospital to go check up on somebody who might be admitted with COVID. And we saw the faith community stepping in there. And what is that translating into? We strongly believe that as church becomes this kind of Amazon experience where I can go online and I can shop for anything I want on Amazon, church is always going to be the same. Mm -hmm. But there's also going to be this best buy experience as well that I just want to be in the building. And a lot of churches are going to pick up new members from those relationships that they cultivated online. I call it like the online dating game. Right now, Church is like the online dating place. At some point in time, we're going to meet in person yep. to know about who we are, right? Yeah. And the more churches are investing into the online dating game through mission, number one, which is I need your help today. Someday my job will come back. I won't start out giving you 10%. Maybe I'll start out with 1%. Yeah. And eventually I'll build my way to 3%, which is the average that's done in the United States. But someday we're going to get back to that physical world.
And the churches that are getting it right, right now understand, you guys are right there, Kingdom, that this online dating game, you gotta be really, really good at it. And the way yeah. to be really good at it is through mission. Mm -hmm. let, me, yeah. let, me, let me ask this question, uh, Wally, and then I'm gonna ask uh, Pastor Darrell and Relax another question as well to go with it. But um, have you seen, cause you, you said a stat just now that the average uh, person uh, gives 3%. Not ten percent tithe. They give three percent, um, and you, you you're okay with them starting at one percent, um, but you want them to grow, right? As we all want them to grow. Um, but I, I and then and then you also made another statement about the dating game online, uh, which I I know is the fact uh, because there are uh, a ton of churches on Facebook alone um, on Sunday morning, and everybody's watching everybody. Um, mm -hmm. But that then brings in we we did we. we did, we did a pivot a couple of weeks ago uh, on 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 worship experience, uh, not your worship service, but that your worship service really needs to be a worship experience. And I think that is going to be one of the things that I know we've worked hard at it uh, at Kingdom. Uh, Pastor Darrell, I know I've seen you and I've, I've made comments to you about your uh, online experience and how how, how great it is. Um, but I think that is a, a, a point that I, I want to ask you, Wally, when when it comes to new donors giving on Givelify, do you see more new donors giving um, and I'm assuming you have some understanding of the, the, the type of church that, that they're giving to. Um, my, my assumption, and I could be wrong, and I'm asking you the question. My assumption is that more of your new donors are giving to, to churches that are uh, increasing their worship experience versus just the, the churches who just got online with Givelify. Um, is that a right assumption? My question is, uh, where are more of the new donors coming from that you're seeing? Yeah, definitely. It's a good question. So what we're seeing right now, and uh, we've been tracking this data for over five years, right? So before 5% of the, on a weekly basis, less than 5% of the people who give on Givelify give to multiple organizations. Um, at the height of the pandemic, that number grew to 20%, right? Think about it, right? So one in every five person is giving to multiple organizations. Wow. And so the concept of tithe is changing in people's minds because now that tithe that used to go to one place i'm splitting it to multiple what i call my fantasy pastors right and the more you appeal to my fantasy of what a faith experience got to be like chances are on any given sunday right you could get a higher percentage of what that means and, and I think that continues to be the opportunities for, for churches to think about, yes, it's service, but online, I call it the online dating game. I like the word you use. It has to turn into an experience. Yeah. And every experience starts with, how do I get somebody that is just meeting me for the first time to saying I'm their preferred partner? Because this is not a monogamous relationship anymore. Yeah. Yeah. No, that, that's that's good. Um, Pastor Darrell, let me let me ask you the question from uh, the new donors. Right. And we we assume and, and Wally probably can help us a little bit. I, I know I didn't send you that time, so you don't have like exact numbers, but age range of people who are giving. But Pastor Darrell, as as serving at, at a church where you have, um, I would say, a pretty good mix. 
uh, Kingdom, our our church is, is a good mix as well, but we're tracking along with our pastor. Uh, he's the founding pastor. So we're tracking along in his age bracket. Pastor Darrell, you uh, were elected into that church. You were given, selected into that church. So your uh, giving is is a little, your, your mix is a little bit different. You have probably a little more uh, of, of the seasoned saints than we do. Um, can you just talk a little bit for the pastor who's thinking about, okay, cool. I, I get that my budget uh, should match my mission and my purpose. Uh, but I have these people who expect a certain type of thing. Uh, I can't deliver that thing this way because we're online. So it looks a little bit different. Um, can, can you just talk a little bit around uh, what are some key things in that budget, key things week to week or even month to month that you're looking at um, as a, a pastor who's uh, has a, a balance of or a mix of a church. Let me say it that way. Does, does that make sense? Um, we are, I like to call it a multi-generational church because um, I had plenty of people in generations before me. Uh, now I'm bringing in people my age and younger. So we're, we're kind of tossing the salad. To, um, to use an analogy. Uh, the, the tough part is you come into a church where the median age is significantly older than the pastor is that the expectations are based in a different standpoint and different viewpoint of the generation. Yeah. The, in the, I'm in my seventh year at St. Paul. So we have worked diligently to both bring in new people to shift the culture, but also to honor the culture that's been there. Because what we do know, and Wale made a good point about this, um, people don't start at tithing. You know, one of the blessings of having seasoned saints is that many times they are, their priorities have shifted, but they've also grown in faith. So they can be larger givers. And the difficulty for most pastors in that situation is, we know that the proportion of giving from an older generation is going to be for a while much higher than from a younger generation. Yep. How do you serve the present age and not offend the people who are mm. who have been there and built the church over generations? And the answer is that it comes back to mission. You, I have always maintained that I have to keep in front of my people that our job is to reach people for Christ. And the average 70-year-old that goes to church ain't leaving their church. So mm. mission field is not 70-year-olds. We're not going to get the 70-year-old from the Baptist church down the street. We're going to get people who are either not churched or disaffected from church. And those people, if you follow typical buying patterns, which is why that coveted demographic of 18 to 35, 18 to 45 is so important to secular advertisers is because that's when people are making decisions. That's when they're buying into what are going to be their brands. You know, my dad's a GM guy because he's been a GM guy forever. That new generation of people without offending that other generation is a tension that has to be managed. It's not going to change. People want it to go away. It's a tension. It's like having a rubber band. It's going to stretch one way, then it's going to stretch another way. And there's always going to be tension there. But our goal, my goal at St. Paul is to make sure that our mission is first, that before we honor the seasoned saints, before we honor the younger people, we're honoring the cause of Christ. And the cause of Christ is to make disciples in this present age. So for our worship experience, we do a mix of things that also that feels organic to a younger person, but also 
has the feeling of comfort for an older person. We don't want to put anybody off, but that's also the way I explain it to my leadership. We want to move forward in some different directions, but we can't strap a rocket to the back of a turtle. Like that, that just winds up being like a real bad bug money thing. We know what happens to the turtle in the process. So it's about speeding things in a direction, but at a sustainable pace where people can come along and join along that may be less willing. Because here's the problem. In many churches, we move at the speed of the least available person to move. So we always are ratcheting back to the person that doesn't want to move at all. So mm -hmm. we do what's not even incremental change, but really evolutionary change. It's going to take generation after generation. And we don't live in a world anymore where people just go to church or where people feel shame for not going to church. So if yeah. we're trying to address the culture and meet the culture where it is, we're going to lose generation after generation after generation. And eventually this is what happens to the finances of a church. A church can be in decline for a long time and still have healthy finances because you're simply getting more out of less people. The problem with that is if you're a one generation church, they're all going to go to be with Jesus at the same time. You can be doing really well and fall off a cliff because there's nobody on the back end to backfill the giving, the mission and the ministry. So what we're really doing our best to do <clears throat> is to make our experience one that's translatable across generations, comfortable no matter where you're coming in from, but always leading you to the cause of Christ, of making disciples, getting people in line with Jesus, and moving people into deeper relationships with God. And that's not easy. Like I said, it's always gonna be tension. You know, I, I wasn't always gray in the beard. You know, my dad was in his 60s before he went gray. I'm way earlier. And it's stressful, but it's what we're called. It's what we're called to do. And it's and it's really trying to make sure that multiple generations still have a place, even though things are changing. That's that's great. That's great. I mean, sure. and and I'm 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 coming. Uh, to, thanks, Pastor Darrow. Uh, I'm coming to you, Reverend Locks, with a question, but I want to I want to stick something in what Pastor Darrow said uh, about the multi generational, uh, because. Um, as longtime youth ministry person, um, and Reverend Locks knows, uh, we try at Kingdom to keep student ministry. We're talking about it all the time. We're talking about the leaders who are serving. We're talking about uh, the resources that they have. And in this season, to what Pastor Daryl is saying, I don't think um, as, a, as a pastor um, or as a leader, you need to take a back seat on your youth ministry stuff. I think you need to make sure and you endeavor to serve them the best way you can in this season. It's going to look different, um, but the best way you can, you need to put resources and put staffing around so that it can be helpful for the future of your church. Because that 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 key of that family generation and when they die, the church dies. Um, that is unfortunately all too common uh, amongst churches, and and I'm not gonna. I'm just gonna stay there because I don't want to get in trouble. Uh, but all too common among churches and groups uh, that 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 we know of. And so I, I appreciate that, uh, Pastor Darrell, Reverend Locks. Uh, um, quick, not quick, but uh, you are one of the only people that I know um, who. Uh, in the midst of a pandemic, God has gifted you to be a part of two organizations um, for them to raise money 
uh, in the midst of this. And I'm, sp I'm speaking specifically uh, as the CFO of Kingdom Fellowship uh, 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 Church, and we are uh, endeavoring to build this building. It's our new base of operations. Uh, it's going to be mm -hmm. awesome. It's a $45 million project. Um, in the midst of the pandemic, uh, Pastor Watley has said, we're going to keep moving forward. And when he says that, he talks with you about it, uh, but then you push it through. Uh, at the same time, you are also, uh, I don't know what the title is for our bishop. Shout out Bishop uh, James Davis, if you watch this, um, over our district, um, there is a finance committee. Um, and in the midst of the pandemic, we uh, raised up a, a building and some other things that happened. Uh, and you were at the helm of both of those. Um, I want you to talk a little bit uh, just around uh, what the possibilities are, even in the pandemic. Um, because I think that's those two examples to me speak to the possibility, speak to how these, this moment can actually be a moment of opportunity if, back to what Pastor Darrell said, the mission and the purpose is right. Yeah. So, so I, let, let, let me tell you how excited I, I am for some of what uh, brother, uh, Pastor Darrell was talking about, because he talked about. Uh, and what he really keyed in is the opportunity of the time. Um, where you would not have moved if we were all still doing business as usual, the pandemic gave the perfect situation. Um, you know, we, 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 you know, there, there's, there's the whole theory that, that is, is, is based around the idea that an object that 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 is in motion or is not moving at all will never move until something acts upon it that changes mm -hmm. its direction. Right? Mm -hmm. uh, the pandemic is exactly that, and so even your older persons who are in your congregation or whatever that would have wanted to control how the how your organization was can no longer do that because church is not what it used to be anymore, right? Yeah. Um, they, they're just, they, 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 there's a shift. And the question now is how are you gonna take the opportunity that is there, right? Because even your older uh, saints, seasoned saints, are having to learn how to, how to log in onto Facebook or whatever you're doing that they would have never done in the past. Yeah. Let me just jump in on that real quick. Yeah. We think that our seasoned saints don't do technology. The thing is, they do it everywhere except the church because they're not forced to do it at the church until now. Right. And this is what I can tell you. We haven't had a drop off in our seasoned saints watching the broadcast. They watch our broadcast. Right. They talk about it. You know, they'll call the church for tech support when things are going wrong. Now, are we in the tech support business? No, but we are in the ministry business. And mm -hmm. if walking one of my seniors through how to make sure they can watch the broadcast is what needs to be done, that's what we do. But if you think about it, none of our seniors are sitting at home with, you know, rotary phones. They all made the jump to touch tone at some point because they had to. Yeah. And the pandemic I'm not going to call it a blessing, but I will say all things work together. So for people, my church is 229 years old this year. So you want to talk about history and tradition? We are deeply steeped in it. We are older. We were, we were 1791. I mean, we're almost as old as the country. My point is moving, getting a church like that to go digital 
is a difficult thing unless you have to. And the folk at my church realize we'd rather be in the building, but we don't want to not do anything. So for anybody that's kind of sitting and thinking, but I've got older people, trust me, they got kids, they got grandkids, they got all types of people that will do the tech support for them because they yeah. to do it in other areas. The church is the one place where we say, we'll just stay behind the curve and keep people comfortable. This is our opportunity to catch up to the curve. And really, I believe that the church should be pushing the curve. We are the people who should be leading out. And sometimes we lead out out of necessity. And the fact that we can't go into our buildings, pastors have said this over and over again. What would our church be if we lost our building? We usually say it kind of under the worst case scenario, you know, the building burns down. We would still find a way. Well, now we, the buildings haven't burned down, but depending, you can't go strolling up in them. And even if you could, you got numbers restrictions, you got cleaning. You want to talk about budget? When you start talking right now, when people say, well, we need to get back, have you shifted your budget for what would be required for you to be back in your building? To like literally be back tomorrow. Have you input the cleaning supplies? Have you input the staff? Have you input possible contractors? Have you input upgrades to your um, air conditioning, your heating, your HVAC, your filters? Have you put all of that in and have you put in enough volunteers to do the stuff that you can't pay for? Like all of these things are things that churches have to shift into, but also things that you have to make your ministry aware of to say, right now we can do a better job for Jesus online than we can offline. Oh, that's good. And, and, that, and, 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 and that actually is the point, that the opportunity that the times have presented to us in terms of helping uh, for a pastor who who had a vi who has a vision and wants to move forward and has been has been enabled even in the pandemic uh, to, to 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 move against the inertia that has been in the that 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 is surrounding them you know the, the effort that they had to put into helping people to to, to understand they had to move that the times have, have, have pushed them and now the people are looking to them to say, how are you going to move? And there, there is the opportunity for them to provide uh, the leadership and the guidance and make the decisions based on the kinds of values we have laid out, the mission, uh, to say, here we go. Here's the direction we're going into. Here's how we, here are the opportunities. You have small churches because when you when 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 you talk about places like Kingdom, yes, we you know we go out we 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 initiate uh, capital campaign to raise five million, and we we put together resources and and we we we're communicating with people through uh, you know all of the things we can do through the monies we've we've shifted into our audiovisual and all of that kind of stuff. But the, but the little church guy, uh, pastor, you know, leader, who who, who has um, a smaller community, an older, seasoned, same community, he's saying now, yeah, I don't have that option. And I'm saying, and and the things I'm seeing and people I'm talking to, I finally hear persons coming and saying, okay, uh, Reb Lux, um, I've seen you do for the second district. A purchase of a building and you know and an acquisition you're working on solar energy and so forth we have a property we have acres of land hmm. we have buildings that are not being used 
right? What kind of off the plate stuff mm -hmm. can we do? Yeah. Right? Um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm getting ready to meet with a, with a church coming up. I just need to give them my, my, my schedule. They have a developer is ready to sit down with them and, and as a proposal. Um, but they now need help in evaluating that proposal. These are now there. You're seeing those opportunities. You're seeing where churches can can use um, a solar a solar project to to as as as, as Reverend Pasadale says, they can use that to heat you know do all of the utilities mm. to their property and take away that cost. Um, and even generate some resources. These are all still in the is still in the, still still in the product and available for them to, for, for it to be done um, because because the pandemic has opened up the opportunity to begin to to say more and and, and talk more about the kinds and options that have been available. But you have persons who were just not intent, as I said, unless something acts on 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 an object, and worse, us humans, we have defined a way we're living, right? It's mm -hmm. been working so far, and I'm not changing, right? <laughs> okay. But but this pandemic has opened up that opportunity, and I sure hope that more and more pastors, um will grab hold of that. And and especially where it's also opened up the opportunity for a lot of young pastors. Because yeah. when you come in as a young pastor, the, 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 the season saints wants to tell you what you ought to be doing. This is what we do. We've always done it this way. Right? Uh, yeah. Well, you know, this is a time now where, you know, as so many as well as said, so many who were not prepared Right, um, you know, you you know, pastors are going into churches where they have no setup for electronic giving. Right, mm -hmm. it, it was it was as if it, talking about such a thing was against because they were going to quote the scriptures that says, "Bring the tithe to the out." So anything else you did was as if you were you were you know you were sinning. Zoom and. StreamYard is now the house. So. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So, so I see this as just an, a, a really an opening of opportunity that when Pastor now and others like them lay out again, here is here's what here's what we believe in. Here's our mission. Here's what we value. Time now for execution, right? That those of us who are especially Serving in support of, of our, along with our pastors, that those teams, whether they're whether they're elders, their stewards, their you know trustees, and you know those leadership teams, to come up and and and, and really help to rethink how we execute, how we implement the vision, right? Yeah. Uh, in, in 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 new ways. Uh, that that's how I see it. No, I, I think, and, and, and that's great. And I, I'm a, I got one more question, but I want to say something. Um, I think it's, it's, it's now is the, is the opportunity as Reverend Lox has shared, as, as Reverend Darrell has shared, um, it is the opportunity for you to throw everything on the wall that you used to do and mm -hmm. really look at it 
and look at it from the budget, from the mission, but most importantly, from the purpose mm-hmm. and look at it and see what needs to stick. And the right. things that don't need to stick, this is the opportunity for you to shift and for you to change it. Now, I'm going to ask you a question, uh, uh, Reverend Locks, and it, it came from a couple of weeks ago, uh, did a, pid, a, a pivot on on connecting. And we had uh, on, on that pivot, a couple people on that pivot, but one of the uh, guests on the pivot was Larry Bry, who was a leader at Elevation. And mm-hmm. he said this statement where uh, Elevation Church, one of the things that they did the first week of the pandemic was uh, they looked at their staffing. And uh, if you were a part of the staff and you did um, answering phone calls or dealing with mm-hmm. kids, uh, they 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 shifted it. So they didn't let you go. They didn't furlough. What they did was they shifted it and they put you into a new role. And for me, that that was budget. Right. That's mm-hmm. that's that's a way to shift uh, what that looks like. And I, I want to ask you the question, Reverend Locks, um, uh, and everybody can talk about it as well. Uh, but. What does the pivot look like on your budget as it concerns staffing? What what are some things I know what we've done at Kingdom, but I don't need to say it because you're, you're here. Uh, what what are some of the things that we can share um, that would be helpful for, for pastors and for leaders as it concerns their staff? Uh, now we're more than five months in uh, whenever people watch this. Uh, uh, but but what what are some pivots as it concerns your budget, but specifically your staffing? So I'd use the simple word adaptability, right? Um, you, 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 you know, we have we have persons, and, and, and again, let me let me kind of stage it as it relates to different different situations churches find themselves in. They're going to be the churches, like Wally has said, who has seen the increase, mm-hmm. and, and and so uh, those churches are not generally being challenged about you know, the ability to pay their people or whatever. And all they're trying, all they're really left with is moving their persons into new roles because they've kept them on the payroll. And how do we maximize what I can, what, what I can, what, what I can um, get from them, right? So you've got those, you've got those churches. Uh, then you have a whole other group of churches who, who are finding themselves with reduced resources, right? Mm. They, 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 they can't make, they, they cannot pay everybody, all right? Uh, and so they've got to deal with the issue of um, who do I move, who do I change? And especially in those, as I talked about adaptability, the idea is I've got to figure uh, as we as we uh, adjust our priorities, it always yeah. begins with what, what, what Pastor Dallas said. When we look along, what, are, what, are we, what do we value? And how do we deliver that, right? If I value my 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 youth ministry, then I'm going to continue to to to, to keep those persons. I'm just going to demand, uh, really establish the expectations have changed. So you're not going to be on campus as you used to be, but uh, physically. But I expect at the same time you found a way to make a hook between the students and wherever they are in terms of delivering. Uh, your student, your, your young teenagers or stuff must still be ministered to, all right? Yeah. So, so, so you're, 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 you're looking at your staff in terms of their ability to really make that shift and, and, and deliver services accordingly. But, if you're, but, but, but we're persons are just not making the adjustment, right? And you'll always have a few. Um, 
because we've got a responsibility to deliver, uh, uh, then, then, then there may be those cases where persons um, will have to be um, released. If it, it really, and, and that, that, that's just simply where it is. All right. Yeah. Our wonderful, what, 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 what we, we at Kingdom, as you well know, have been thankful for. We've been able to, to, to reprogram, retool, move people into new areas. Um, and, 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 and be able to utilize and optimize um, efficient, you know, increase efficiencies as a result of being in this environment, um, you know, just in terms of how we deliver services. Um, but I do know, and, and, and the use of volunteers, a really expanded use yeah. of, of, of volunteer persons who, who, who to our home, you know, and, 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 and members of the church who, who, who their service at the church was always all they could deliver. You know, they, it defined them. You know, yeah. you know, folk, when they ushered, you know, yeah. that was their thing. Can no longer do that the, the, the normal way. Your, your outreach ministries, your feeding of people gave them another, another means by which yeah. they could give up their, steward their time and effort. Uh, so all of that is, is part of the adjustments uh, and the way churches must adapt, uh, adapt in this in this time. Uh, that's my sense of it, and what we've been trying to do effectively. Yeah, Ross, and if there's something I could share, like I said, yeah. I think for 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 companies like Givelify that get to see and appreciate the role of these care programs that the churches are putting in place to take care of not just their members, but of the community at large. Mm -hmm. uh, far too often, we don't hear the stories in the mainstream media. Um, and what we get to hear about the one or two pastors who might do something that we don't, you know, that we might not all agree with. But the vast majority of the churches, when it turns to caring for the communities, we know for a fact that they're stepping up in ways that we've never imagined. And one of the patterns that we've also seen at Givelify that even with the churches that are seeing an increase in giving, we're seeing that the percentage that people are contributing towards tithe is moving more towards like things like food banks mm. and other relief efforts that the church has. Because again, at Givelify, you can designate where you want your money to go. Right? So whether it's tithe, offering, whatever, right? And so across the board, we're seeing this shift of people saying, yes, I support my church, but I want to be a part of what the church is doing to lift up the community in these times. Yeah. And I think the tremendous opportunities um, for churches in this case is, can we get better about seeing our organizations as philanthropic organizations, just like any nonprofit would be? And part of seeing yourself as a philanthropic organization is being able to tell these stories of philanthropy that you're putting out into the community. And the challenge I've always seen with churches, again, as an observer, I, I sit in the pew on every Sunday. I'm not in the back office. But as an observer is we tend to be a little bit shy about telling those stories. And biblically so. Let not the right hand know what the left hand is doing, right? And so we don't we don't tell it as much. But as we're thinking about how do we repurpose staff, yes, we want some of them to, to do the caring, but can we get better at telling the story of the things that we're doing in the community? Because guess what? 
the youth ministry and that generation, that's what motivates them. Mm-hmm. And if we're thinking about bringing them into the into God's kingdom, gotta be able to tell the stories that motivate them to come there. And right now, the beautiful thing we have going for us is the movies is not taking a lot of their time. They're not spending a lot of time in the malls. Thankfully, the nightclubs are all closed, right? And so we have an opportunity to think about all that free time that they have and how do we appeal to them. And the second thing I was also going to talk in, the, in that study by, um, <clears throat> by the Lake Institute, right? One of the things that I thought was very revealing was the concept of endowments. And one of the things that I highlighted there is, you know, 34% of congregations had some kind of endowment. And one of the things they highlighted there is in, or, in the congregations where they did not find endowments, they were largely black churches, right? Mm-hmm. Not every church is fortunate to have a Reverend Loxley on the staff or access to that, right? But the opportunity is, can we clone Reverend Loxley, right? So that mm-hmm. we can help our churches think about from a budgeting perspective, not only are we taking care of today, but I was thinking in the mindset of an endowment and the several ways those endowments can be put to generate investments for the church in, in, in like manners, right? So I, I think there's some opportunities there that exist, right? Yeah. For us to start to think about proactively. And quite frankly, I think the churches who are thinking about this thing and doing acting on it, they're getting it right. That's good. Let me Pastor feedback Darrell, on what he just said. You know, when I, when I ran the United Methodist Foundation, and, you know, in my consulting practice now, I help churches set up endowments. And I can tell you that 90% of my clients, if not more, were always majority Caucasian institutions. Now, there's a historical reason for that, of course. Most African-American churches were struggling to stay open. So right. you didn't have Black people leaving bequests and leaving, and leaving the church in their will and that sort of thing. But the power of something like a foundation or an endowment is that it allows you to do ministry now, but also ride out rougher times. Mm-hmm. You know, I know some churches where their endowments are so large that they don't have to do, they don't have to pass a plate to be open. Now, the danger of that is the church's endowments get to be too large. It takes them away from mission and they get lazy. It takes away from personal stewardship. But there's nothing wrong with churches, especially in the African-American community, where we are doing better now than we were before. Being able to set up endowments, long-term investments that are not there as savings accounts, but that are there as investments where you only use some of the interest so that for generations that builds. Right. Times like this, where you may be able to save a position by funding it through the endowment because you can't fund it through the collection plate. But those types of shifts have to become normative in churches where we begin to use the tools that every other philanthropic organization uses to fund ourselves and do our work. Here's the thing. Nobody else is going to do this. Nobody else is going. There may be other people who will do education. There may be other people who will do food banks. No one else is going to lift the cause of Christ. And this is what all of us know. Your school has hit you up for money. The Word Network has hit you up for money. TVN <laughs> has asked you to do a charitable gift annuity. Anybody that's got your name on a mailing list has asked you for money. And you may not even know that. But in the local church where people have invested hearts, minds, lives, major events for generations, too often we are afraid to talk about money. 
And one of the reasons we're afraid to talk about money is because you got a couple guys with jets where the average pastor works a second job. Yep. And until we get a theology and a mentality correct about money as a tool, we will struggle and we will suffer. This is the time for churches to really move into financial education, both on the institutional side for the church and the individual side for parishioners. Because one of the difficulties that we have in churches is that many of our parishioners are overextended. They're swimming in debt. They've spent money the wrong way. They've done all sorts of things. They don't have, they don't know how to manage money themselves. Part of the church's ministry has to be to get financial literacy and financial ability into the hearts, minds, and hands of our parishioners. Our our parishioners cannot give what they do not have. you're waiting for the plate or using Givelify. If you ain't got it, you can't give it. You can't give it. About the churches, we have to be as bold as Jesus was and as bold as the Bible is in telling people, listen, the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil, but the good use of money is for the building of the kingdom. And that's That's a pivot that we have to make in churches. And this is a time to do it because we're seeing the ramifications of being only plate dependent. plate dependent, you will run into times like, and listen, the coronavirus has been different, but you had the dot-com bubble burst, you had the recession of 08. These cyclical things happen all the time, and the churches ride them out, but we can be in a better position for them if we're strategic in our planning and we optimize our ability to help our parishioners be good stewards and then steward what they give well ourselves. Yeah, no, that, that's good. That's good, Pastor Darrell. And I'm, 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 we're, we're uh, almost at time. And I, what I want to do is I want to piggyback on what you just said. Uh, and then, Wally, I want you now. I think I know what you're going to say for one of these questions, Wally. So I'm going to let everybody else talk, too. Uh, but the the the, the, the three questions are and Darrell, I'm starting with you. It's I always ask the three. It's how. Uh, how do we do this pivot? And Daryl, for you, I'm Pastor Daryl, Dr. Daryl. I'm looking specifically around the endowment piece. Like, what's the first step? Is there an article? If there's an article, I'll tag it in the show notes. But that that type of thing. So how then resources? Wally, this is the one that I know. I know what you're going to say. Um, what a resource for giving would obviously be uh, Givelify. But what are some resources uh, that that people will do? And then uh, the fourth one. So how? Uh, what resources? And the last one is always future. Uh, and Wally, I really want to hear from you on this one is where do you think giving trends and, and, and patterns are going to be going? What does giving does giving look like in, in, in 2025? Um, is everybody with a chip on their hand? I, I doubt it in the market. I'm just making jokes. Uh, but but the point is, where do we think giving is going? Where do we think budget uh, is going for churches? But uh, Pastor Darrell, if you could if you could. You, you, and if you want to, you can do all three. You can do how resources and future if you want. Uh, but I definitely want you to talk about how when it comes to uh, some of the stuff that, that you just spoke about, because uh, we, we know it's right. We know it makes sense. Uh, but I, I'm not clear that many leaders or pastors know how to take the first step to even creating and, and to even creating what, what, what that looks like. OK, uh, first, I'm going to do a shameless plug. Just hit me up. That is right on your screen is my Instagram and my Twitter. I check them both. I'm sure that um, it'll be in the show notes. I'm going to put all your stuff in the show notes. Except all of address. Show notes. Okay. This, this is literally what I used to do for a living. And it's not 
as hard or complicated as it sounds. You just many times we only know what we know because we only know who we know. I am a person that believes in the kingdom of God. I believe in the capital C church. I'm not here to help Paul church. I'm here to help the church. And really getting to an endowment is sitting down with some with a pastor and some leaders and it goes back to the same thing. Knowing your mission, creating a vision, and moving towards implementation. It's about putting some basic documents together, some basic thoughts together about how you want your church to operate in the future. It's what the steps we want to make now. What is the legacy we want to leave now to make sure that beyond our time, our church will still be strong and the cause of Christ will still be championed where we have been. So, so the first and the how is you've got to reach out and get some help. You can go on the internet and do it, but it really it really does help if you talk to somebody. I'm willing to help anybody who reaches out. The, the what, you, you got to be clear about those three things that we started off on. What's your mission? What are your values? What are you going to do to implement them? Three things. You can begin to walk boldly into the future because what you ultimately have to do is remember that your past and your future are related but not the same. Which means that there may be some things in your past that you have to walk away from to walk into the future that God is calling you to. Remember, God says, behold, I do a new thing. God says, I do a new thing. He's often telling you, you got to let go of the old new thing that I did because I'm trying to do a new new thing. Now, when you talk about resources, we at St. Paul, and this is uh, unpaid endorsement, we use Givelify. We use Givelify because it's simple, it's easy, and it works. And they do a wonderful job of customer service. But when you want to use resources, you've got to pull on all the resources available. And so there are four different ways that you can give to the church. And we make those all available because we remember that our audience is wide. There are some people who are not going to write a check, but there are some people who are not going to use Givelify. So we've got to put everything there in between so that everybody has a chance to be a part of what we're trying to do. Every church wants to reach every person, but your first person that you have to reach are the people that are in your pews. You've got to Communicate, 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 and reach out to the people who are supporting you now because that's the only way for you to expand and deepen their support in the future. Russ, thanks so much for having me. That's good. Thanks. Uh, Pastor Gary, just give us a list of the people who don't want to use Givelify. We'll be praying for them. That's good. That's good. That's good. That's good. That's good. Reverend Reverend Locks, can I can I get yours? Your 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 your, your how your resources uh, in your future if if we can run through those. Well, I, 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 I think I think the how has already been said. The, the, at at the end of the day, as we look forward to where we're going, I I do believe uh, the key thing here is a clear um, communication of vision. A very yeah. Uh, you know, you, you got to know where you're going to, and 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 that that really lands on the leadership in terms of the direction it points people, because we've always talked about you can't you you can't get to one place by going in the opposite direction. You, yeah. You're missing, so you got to clearly communicated um, vision for where uh, leadership that are uh, willing to come together and strategically plan around what that looks like, um, you know, to ensure that they've aligned the prior, priorities. 
appropriately in a time like this. There's no need or, or, or to waste resources, uh, human resources especially, uh, let alone financial resources that are limited on doing things that no longer as Pastor Darrell said, are behind you, there are new things ahead. So, so I, I absolutely believe strategically uh, the alignment are, are, are important. Uh, we've seen that by making those shifts, defining uh, priority areas and putting in the resources to it. They've, they've absolutely paid off. You know, it, it's just amazing. And as we have invested, because oftentimes people are not willing to make the step themselves. They're mm -hmm. waiting for somebody else to come back in. But as soon as we have gone ahead and stepped in, uh, you know, stepped in the water, it's, it's as if surely the Jordan parted, you know, <laughs> and major resources turned up. Yeah. And so so, so I'm, I'm certainly not um, being disingenuous when I said we have spent three times what we intended to spend because people, partnerships all sought us out, right? Yeah. Just on the basis of seeing uh, what we were doing. Um, yeah. So, so the future for me is exciting, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. it's exciting because um, all of the rules of church have been have been knocked out. All, all of the rules, yeah. right? And all of the the, the 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 persons who were holding up church, the pillars of the church, um, they too have, have now had to take some amount of backseat. Right yeah. and open themselves up to the ideas, the thoughts, the suggestions um, of of a, of a new generation of folks who are willing to be bold, the Joshuas of our church, you know, who are willing to be bold and take uh, bold steps, uh, aligned to the vision that has been laid out. So it's exciting because you're seeing you're seeing spaces where persons who were who wanted to to engage who yeah. wanted to contribute their skill who wanted to say i can do this right are now turning up right and saying yeah i i i have the opportunity yeah go ahead and and you're seeing just wonderful things being produced as you well know um with, with you know coming out of just a vast array of uh, of volunteers and the like who are serving people. One, one of our leaders said to me in a conversation that in a time like this, right, um, the best way the, and only way because they're not gathering that people get an opportunity to, to, to express their faith position and you know, where they're connected to their church is the opportunities we present them, not only one to give, of their resources, their finances, but also to give up themselves yeah. in terms of the opportunities we make available. Yeah. Now we're out in the community. We're more in the community than we've ever been. You know, pastors say we had once thought about being a church in multiple locations, and we were looking at it in terms of physical building and worship space. But we were a church in multiple locations for every week. Yep. We we're at multiple places serving the people of God. Yep. We're, we're, we're in different housing um, places. 
We're, 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 in, we're in community centers. We're on parking lots serving people who have come and gathered and expressed their appreciation for, for, for the fact that we are meeting their needs. And in, and in those ways, uh, um, are open even more so to the gospel. So I see the future as really exciting and that uh, for us in this ministry pivot period, um, money follows ministry. Yeah. Right? So as you develop ministry and move ministry, um, you see, uh, you know, because uh, um, the Lord himself said, right, that I will supply your need. Yeah. Um, your 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 civic need, you know, your 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 emotional need, and your need for financial resources, and 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 that's where I think, um, and, and, and as each of us, whatever we get, uh, how it, it multiplies it. We let's not bury the resources now. Let's let's really do the work of ministry. Yeah, no, that, that, I think I think that's that that's great. Um, let me, um, Wally, I, the the other two questions, but I know specifically around the future. What what do you see trends being um, as it concerns churches and budgets and giving? Um, and then I'll have a couple comments and then, and then we'll, we'll wrap. But, but Wally, I, I, I want you to help us with that. Yeah, definitely. So it's it's tough for me to, to, to give advice to churches. I've never served on, the com- on any church committee. I've never been a CFO there. But one of the things I think we've been blessed is we get to analyze data from almost $2 billion in donations that we've processed yeah. um, and, and try to look at patterns that are there. And can we use that to, um, can we share those patterns and see how it helps shape the, the future of things? And one of the things I've always appreciated about Kingdom, um, you know, Pastor Watson talked about how they used to make investment into families, right? So if you're getting married, you're about to start a family that the church supports you through all of that. And I remember the first time I heard it, I'm like, man, this is just genius. This guy is taking a playbook from Silicon Valley in how to invest in business startups, right? And make the investment into the startups. Yeah, some will fail, that's great. But there'll be a few that will do very, very well, generate the return that allows us to continue, right? To invest into more companies. And I've always seen... Like, I, I feel like it's something that, you know, as faith leaders, we can continue to embrace. We're yeah. doing it today and we're investing into these families at the time that they need us. Yeah. We're investing resources, we're investing time, checking yeah. up on them using volunteers. And there's going to be a few of them that maybe it's worth investment or not. We don't know. That's what Christ called us to do. Yeah. But financially, there's going to be a few of those investments that will turn out really good for the future of executing on the mission yeah. that yeah. God has called us to do. Yeah. And so for me, as I look at these things, it's like, yes, we're making investments. we got to tell the stories. And for a fact, you know, I appreciate you guys are doing the building because we've got to think about all these new relationships we're cultivating online. At some point in time, we're going to meet for a physical date in a building it's not too far off once the vaccines start getting here people will feel comfortable Mm -hmm. for meeting physically on that date and what's that building experience got to be like now is the time to start thinking about that right now as we're thinking about the online experience 
what's that physical experience gonna be? So I think you guys are all doing it the right way. And the last piece of this is this, people are gonna continue to give to multiple churches. And mm. you know, it's just what it is. Yeah. It's, it's, that's here to stay. And the opportunity for churches to, to, to think about this is, can I be one of those churches that's one of their multiples? Because we're gonna mm. consume this faith experience in new ways. It's gonna be like an Amazon experience where I go to one place, I can consume multiple things. I get on my computer, I can consume multiple pastors. That's what I'm doing today. As much as I'm yeah. watching Pastor Watley, I'm watching my local pastor as well. As much as I'll be watching the Pastor Daryl, I'm gonna be watching some of my favorite pastors in California as well. And I'm gonna give yeah. to all of them too. And so yeah. we see that future there is like, it's not monogamous anyway. And we got to make sure that we have a space. I call it, it's like the mall. You got to have a space in the mall so that those who are just shopping by can stop in there and be able to give to you. Yeah. Givelify is one of those places that's like the mall. Establish a presence there so you can make sure that those bypassers, when they feel it, they want to support you, they could find you there also. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, no, I think I, th I think I think that's great. I I, I appreciate uh, you all being on. I, I'm just going to add two two quick things. Uh, the the one is I do think, and I I think I think I heard us say it, uh, but I do think there's an opportunity now as well. And Wally has said it from uh, his data at Givelify with people wanting to give to mission, and we've talked about mission and purpose. So hopefully, if you're listening, you you've heard that. Uh, but I do think, and Reverend Locks and I have talked about this on staff that there is an opportunity for churches to be a part of giving outside of just Sunday. I think that's the opportunity. The opportunity is not just linked to what we do on Sunday. And of course, not just linked to Christ, even though Christ is the banner, Christ is the focus, but there's an opportunity for people who want to give to organizations who are doing good work. Uh, so we, th th there's no reason why every church in a meaningful way can't be a part of Giving Tuesday. Th th there's no reason why we can't be a part of those things, but to the point that all of the panelists have said, uh, we have to plan for that and we have to work uh, toward that. And then the other thing I, I think of when I, when I, when I think of the how and maybe because of my role where I serve is I think we got to start looking at it. I think you got to uh, you have to if you've been uh, doing any kind of metrics week to week, month to month, um, your budget, though, but as it relates to your impact has to be something that you look at. I know we've been looking at it a lot now at the kingdom at kingdom. And so I'm super excited about what God is doing there, but also uh, just excited about uh, what what God is is going to do in the future as it relates to uh, our budget. I, I'm going to I'm going to give everybody a, a moment. Uh, if, if you have one last thing you want to say, uh, and then I'm going to close us out uh, in any, any any last piece that I may have left on the table that you said, hey, we're talking about budget. I really wanted to say this. Uh, I want to give you that that moment. Uh, and then I, I'll, I'll close this out. Sure. Um, think from, you know, so much is about just how you think. Think from abundance as opposed to scarcity when you start mm -hmm. looking at your budget. There is abundant work to do, and God has said that he will supply according to your riches and glory. So oftentimes I think we do less than we can because we're afraid that we won't have enough to do what we're called to. If God is calling you to it, God will find a way to fund it. You just have to be open to the fact that he may fund it differently than it's been funded historically. But when God calls you to it, God will supply what you need for it. So don't think small, think big.
Look at the world we're living in. Look at the help that it needs. Reach out, expand the cause of Christ, and do what God is calling you to do. It is possible. It won't be easy, but it will be doable because God's on our side. Amen. Amen. That's awesome. That's awesome. Uh, Reverend yeah. Lax, Wally. I'm, 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 I'm going to be very um, basic in my recommendation um, is I think when, whenever, whether you're doing personal finance uh, advising or even to churches, uh, you know, there's usually the first step we tell everybody is to establish a reserve. Basic, basic step. Yeah. And um, uh, some, uh, per, you know, unless you had a mortgage loan or something where they establish what that should be, many you know, other than those, many people never even thought about it. I think as you start planning going into the future, it's just good stewardship to at least establish some kind of reserve um, it, that, that you can program. Um, and, and in so doing, and you'll say, so where do I get that from? That may be, you may just simply get that by really looking at things that you do routinely mm -hmm. that, that, that have died. That, you know, the, you know, the matrix <laughs> says it, it's not producing anything, yeah. right? Um, because I agree with that. You've got to move forward, right? But, but so I don't want you to take resources and say, well, we can't do this because we need to establish a reserve. Shut down some stuff that are not bringing any value. Establish a reserve so that you don't have this headache yeah. that you're coming back later and saying, how am I, you know, we can't survive anymore. You know, no, that's, I, good. That, that, that's for every one of us. When we, we say to individuals, if you stop having your, that, that Starbucks coffee, you, you'll quickly be able to fund your $1,000 reserve. That's what we say to individuals. Mm -hmm. Develop an emergency fund for a thousand, yeah. right? Because yeah. most people don't have it. I'm yeah. saying for a church, look at a month's expenses and start setting it up and just simply stop doing things that, that are just unnecessary. Um, and, and you'll get there real quick. That's, that's, that's what I would add. That's great. That's great. Wally, last words? Yeah, so uh, Reverend Lux, man, that Starbucks one is a tough one. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Can we give up something else? <laughs> um, so, again, I'm going to cite this study from the Lake Institute. And one of the things that they said they want to study there is this concept of Zoom fatigue, right? So, I'm going to introduce that word here Zoom fatigue. Mm -hmm. um, and it's uh, and it covers a whole bunch of things from people just getting tired of seeing themselves in these video sessions and and things like that, right? Um, uh, and we've talked about this also that beyond the pandemic, church will return. How many people are we going to bring with us when church returns? Things like Zoom fatigue and all of those things start to manifest themselves in other ways. And how does that translate into? Because we know an engaged member of what we're trying to do at church is going to be an engaged giver as well, provided the tools to make it easy for that person to give out there. So uh, I want to say, even as we're thinking about navigating the pandemic, it's uh, it's a good time to start thinking about what happens. Um, normal will not be the same, but uh, you all know this, you're going to pick up a lot of new members after this. And how yeah. do we start thinking about nurturing them 
discipleship for them. They're going to start at less than 0.1% of giving. But how do we start cultivating that relationship? That's something we're all very good at today. But I think the expectations are going to be a little bit different knowing that we started from an online relationship. The first time I attended your church was not sitting in the pew and you asked me. I'm a first-time visitor and you took me to the back and explained to me. Um, but how do we translate that online to physical? Because it's it's going to be very real. Yeah, no, that's, that's great. I appreciate that, Wally. Thank, thanks, everybody, for uh, getting on and, and for being a part of the pivot today, uh, pivot on budget. Again, if you are uh, watching or if you're listening, uh, you can subscribe, you can follow uh, a ministry pivot, uh, ministrypivot.com, but you can also uh, just subscribe where you are. I'm going to, uh, there will be uh, show notes uh, that has details. Uh, Pastor Darrell is going to send me an article uh, on that endowment, uh, or he's going to write one uh, that we can then post uh, inside. Uh, it's, it's it's small shade, but he's a friend uh, and I'm not going to edit this out because I want him to hear it over again. Uh, but he, he will put that in Inside the show notes. So we'll have that. Uh, of course, we'll link uh, uh, Wiley's information. We'll link uh, Reverend Locke's information. We'll have all of it uh, in for you. But the biggest thing, and I, I hope you heard it, I, I learned uh, uh, today and made it, it actually more concrete uh, that your church's or your ministry's budget uh, is really solely connected to the mission. Uh, and that if you're doing what God has called you to do, that God will provide a way uh, as you're moving through that mission for you to sustain your budget. Uh, and so I, I'm just excited uh, to, to hear about the testimonies. Again, you can email in uh, at, at the information that, that's given to you on the website if you have questions or comments or thoughts uh, through this uh specific pivot or through any of the other uh, ministry pivots. And so uh, hopefully uh, this one again was helpful for you and you'll come back uh, and listen every uh, second and third uh, Thursday. Uh, we'll release another ministry pivot uh, in order to help you grow, in order to help you seek and seize the opportunity that we have in this uh, season that we're in, uh, the season that God is still in control of. Again, thanks for watching on today. I look forward to hearing from you soon uh, as we uh, move forward together and as we pivot uh, the way God has moved us. God bless.